الحمد لله الحمد لله وكفى والصلاه والسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى اما بعد فاعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم يا ايها الذين امنوا ادخلوا في السلم كافه ولا تتبعوا خطوات الشيطان انه لكم عدو مبين وقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم اذا ظهر الزنا والربا في قضيه فقد احلوا بانفسهم عذاب الله او كما قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم most respected mothers and sisters in islam it is the grace and the mercy of allah taala his fazl and karam that he has allowed us to be discussing something about deen something that will inshallah take us closer to him the object and the purpose of these discussions is nothing but to try and keep getting closer to allah taala by means of bringing into our lives those things that allah taala has commanded what rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam has taught us and removing from our lives those things that allah and his nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam have forbidden us from nobody is perfect nobody can claim any kind of purity allah taala himself says wala tuzakku anfusakum huwa a'lamu biman ittaqa they don't claim any purity for yourself allah taala alone knows who is pure and who has taqwa so nobody can ever claim any kind of purity superiority over anybody else allah alone knows who's who and allah taala knows the good in each person's heart sometimes there are some apparent weaknesses in somebody and there's a lot of hidden good in the person and sometimes there's a lot of apparent good in maybe ourselves and allah knows how much of hidden negatives there may be so only allah taala knows who's who and while something is wrong we cannot say that is right but we have no way of making any kind of judgment about a person's end result and the end result is what counts but we have to help one another in getting closer to allah taala by helping one another in acts of righteousness and in refraining from those things that displease allah and his rasul sallallahu alaihi wasallam in any case this dunya allah taala has created this dunya is a place of cause and effect this is something that we understand in all the systems of the world that allah taala has created a person is hungry then he will eat something eating that is the cause the effect of it is that his hunger will be satisfied he is thirsty he drinks some water that thirst will be quenched this is the cause and effect that he drank water it quenched his thirst likewise is the cause and effect if fire gets onto something it will burn it so fire is the cause the effect is it burns so this cause and effect relationship is in everything we see it across the board there is barely anything in fact there's nothing that we don't see this in though allah taala's qudrat is above it all and whenever allah taala wills he allows something to happen without the means also 
But the general system that Allah Ta'ala has made things happen by in this world is by means of the cause and effect. Like we see and understand this cause and effect relationship in terms of the day-to-day aspects of life, in terms of eating and drinking, in terms of fire burning, there is this similar relationship in the hidden system of Allah Ta'ala. In the hidden system in the sense that a person's amal and actions, these are the cause and the effect are the halat and conditions that come upon him. The amal and the halat, amal, the actions and the halat, the conditions. These are linked. Good amal bring down good conditions, favorable conditions. This is something which Allah Ta'ala has spelt out in the Quran Sharif in terms of the negative amal. Zaharal fasadu fil barri wal bahri bima kasabat aidin nas. That mischief and corruption has appeared on the lands and on the seas due to due to what people have done, their actions. So all kinds of negative situations, negative conditions, these now abound on people. And this comes from the side of Allah Ta'ala. So that Allah Ta'ala says that so that Allah may give them to taste a little of what they have done. Whatever they have done, the effects of it just to a very, very minute degree, Allah Ta'ala makes them taste it. Why? لَعَلَّهُمْ يَرْجِعُونَ So that they may return to Allah Ta'ala. This is the bottom line. Allah Ta'ala wants them to come back to Him. So a little bit of the taste of their actions Allah Ta'ala gives them, so that they will come back to Allah Ta'ala. So this is the cause and effect between the negative amal and the negative consequences. Likewise, the positive amal, like in the ahadith, it is explained that a person who engages in maintaining family ties, this is a source of very positive end results, that this brings barakat in his life, barakat in his wealth. Nabi Islam says, Man ahabba ayyub satalahu fi rizqihi that the person who wishes to have barakat in his life and barakat in his wealth, this is the crux of the Hadith Sharif. Then what he should do, then he should join family ties, maintain family kinship. Now maintaining family kinship in this Hadith Sharif is being explained as the means of bringing barakat in one's life, in one's wealth, the cause and effect, we can clearly see it. Likewise, the negative side of things, then in the ahadith it is mentioned that Nabi Wasallam explained various aspects which bring down the negative effects. In one hadith, Nabi Wasallam says, وَإِنَّ الرَّجُلْ الرِّزْقَ يُصِيبُهُ That a person sometimes is deprived of his sustenance and rizq as a result of the sin that he has incurred. He has incurred a sin due to which that rizq which was descending, which was coming for him, that risk is uplifted. So this is the cause and effect, the sin and the effect on one's risk. Likewise, once Nabi Wasallam addressed the Muhajireen and he said to them, that خَمْسٌ إِذَا بْتُلِيْتُمْ بِهِنْ وَأَعُوذُ بِاللَّهِ أَنْ There are five things, if you get involved in it, and then Nabi Wasallam sought Allah Ta'ala's protection. He says, I Seek Allah Ta'ala's protection that you ever fall into such a thing. 
and you ever see such a time. One aspect Nabi Sallallahu mentioned that لم تظهر الفاحشة في قوم قط حتى يعلنوا بها إلا فشا فيهم الطاعون والأوجاع التي لم تكن مضت في أسلافهم الذين مضوا. Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi says that there will never be a time when immorality will become rife in a community. Immorality will become rife in a community and they will start openly engaging in immoral aspects of life. But the end result of this, now this is the cause, that the community, immorality becomes rife. People start indulging in immoral actions without any care, without any concern. Sin is sin, haram is haram. But there is one level of haram which is done, somebody is doing it secretly, that itself is some indication that this person has some minor, well whatever degree, Allah knows best, but there is some khauf, there is some fear in his heart. That he is wrong, he is doing a terrible thing, but he is still concerned that nobody must know. Now, that level of fear that he should have, that Allah Ta'ala must not see me in something that is wrong, and Allah Ta'ala is seeing all the time, so I should not get myself involved in anything haram. But that is not on that level, but there is still some haya, there is still some shame, the person is hiding and doing something. So that is a sin and it's bad, but it is not as bad as something that is done openly, which we will discuss just now. So in any case, this is what is being mentioned in this Hadith Sharif, that when people will be openly involved in immorality and vice, the end result of this will be that there will be such illnesses and such diseases that will overcome them that their forefathers had never heard of. Now nobody needs to explain this further and to give any kind of clarification of what the meaning of this is because this is as evident as daylight. The things which our forefathers had never heard of, these are becoming the illnesses of the day which at every turn and every corner a person hears these kind of things. But the link has been clearly explained to us in the Hadith Sharif that immorality and vice, involvement in this on an open scale brings about these kind of end results. Then in one hadith, Nabi Salaam says that Walamyan Kusul Mikyala will Mizan illa ukhidu bisinin that when people will cheat in weight and measure, then three things will happen. The first thing is that they will be overcome by famine and drought. Now, this is something again which is talk of the day. All around there is this concern, what will be the end result? if the rains don't come in abundance or adequately, already the effects are being felt, etc. But this is not something that is, that is unheard of, or why these things happen, that we don't have any idea about it. If we look into the Ahadith, we look into the Quran Sharif, in fact, these things have been spelled out to us. The first thing Nabi Salaam says, that this famine will come. Then there will be rampant inflation. mu'una. This is what the effect of this is. This is the consequence of it. The crux of this means rampant inflation. Every second person you hear, talk to, this is what his concern is. How am I going to manage? So this is the second thing. And the third thing Nabi Islam says, وَجَوْرِ sultani alihim, The oppression of the rulers. So all these will be the consequences of the action that people have now involved in. Involved themselves in. Then there are other things as well that have been mentioned in this Hadith Sharif, which time doesn't permit to go into the details of all the aspects, but nevertheless, the lesson and the point in this is that there are various aspects mentioned in the Quran Sharif, in the Ahadith of Rasulullah 
which highlight this cause and effect relationship. One is in the aspects of day-to-day life we understand in, but also in the aspects that relate to our spiritual selves, the aspects that relate to our amal, that the kind of amal we have, that is the kind of ahwal we will experience. Positive amal, positive actions will bring positive ahwal, good conditions. And negative actions will bring negative consequences. Now these are things which are serious, every sin is serious, every sin is fire. There is no distinction between a big sin and a small sin in terms of it being fire. The only difference will be one is a big fire, one is a small fire. But a person doesn't say, well this is a small fire, so let me put this small fire in my pocket. Because a small fire, what difference it makes? Or let me put my hand in the small fire, because small fire, it doesn't matter, it's not a big fire. Fire is fire, a big fire will burn in one second, and a small fire might bring the person down to ashes in one minute or one hour, but the end result is the same, the consequence at the end is the same. So one is that these are sins, and the effects of these sins we have already understood, but there is worse than this. There is something worse than sin itself. Now what can be worse than sin itself? If something is as bad as sin, then what can be worse than sin? Worse than sin is open sin. As we just touched on this already, that one is a person is doing something quietly, secretly, and he is afraid, he has some kind of shame, he is a little embarrassed about it too, but he is overcome by his nafs, by shaitan. So that is also terrible, and But nevertheless, we have no right to look down upon any person, we'll look down upon the sin, we'll condemn the sin, but we have no right to condemn the sinner, that is on the day of Qiyamah we'll know who's who. Who has made Tawbah and moved ahead, who fell behind on the way, all that will only become apparent on the day of Qiyamah, but the sin will nevertheless be condemned as a sin. There can be no compromise on saying that no, the sin is not a sin. But the sinner, the sinner is our brother. We will still love him, we will still make dua for him, we will advise him if we can, we will try to help him, ourselves and him in getting closer to Allah Ta'ala. But the sin is sin. Now one is that person who is doing something, he is embarrassed, he is afraid, that too is bad. But there is something worse than that, and that is open sin. In one hadith, Abu Huraira radiallahu anhu reports that Nabi Wasallam said that, Kullu ummati mu'afan illa al-mujahireen. Everyone from my ummah will be forgiven. But those who are the mujahireen, the mujahireen, you shouldn't confuse the word if you're not familiar with it, it's not muhajireen, that is a very high rank. Because in the Hadith Sharif, Nabi Islam says, Al-Muhajiru man hajara manahallahu an. The real muhajir is one who has forsaken all the things Allah Ta'ala has forbidden. This is mujahir from jahr. So the Sahaba asked, who are these people? Nabi Islam explained, وَإِنَّ مِنَ الْمُجَاهَرَ One of the ways of this mujahara, mujahara means doing something blatantly. So worse than sin is blatant sin. And this is a kind of defiance. Like a person, one is, some youngster now, he got into a smoking habit. So now he's ducking and diving, he's hiding, my father mustn't see me. So what he's doing, he's got that conscience within him that I'm doing something wrong. I don't want my father to know about it. So he's ducking and diving. And then there's a 13-year-old, 14-year-old maybe, and he walks in front of his father with his friends, 
and now to show his friends maybe that look, this is the kind of boldness I have, he lights up in front of his father. Now both are smoking, maybe the fellow who's hiding and smoking, he's smoking a cigar. And this fellow is smoking maybe something much lighter. But the action of this fellow is a hundred times, maybe a thousand times worse. Because he is showing complete defiance and he is being completely blatant and bold. So obviously, both cases won't be dealt with in the same way. If the father catches the son who is hiding, he's going to be upset, but he's going to probably handle it differently. You know, advise him, what are you doing, it's wrong. And the fact that he caught him doing it while he was hiding, that shows that he has the respect, he still is concerned, he respects his father. So the father is going to advise him, he might even reprimand him, he might even put some sanctions on him, he might even punish him. But he's going to be handled in a certain way. And this fellow who blatantly and in a very, very defiant way comes and lights up in front of his father, it is as if to say, what are you going to do about it? I'll do what I want. So he is going to be dealt with very differently. If the father goes and walks straight up to him and gives him a slap, that might not be unexpected. And he might deal with it in a very different way. Whereas, outwardly both seem the same. What is the difference? The difference is this defiance, this open action. So this is what is being referred to in this Hadith Sharif, that this mujahara, this defiant indulgence in sin, this is worse than sin itself. And Nabi Salaam says that one of the ways of this mujahara, وَإِنَّ مِنَ الْمُجَاهَرَ أَيَّعْمَلَ الرَّجُلُ بِاللَّيْلِ عَمَلًا ثُمَّ يُسْبِحُ وَقَدْ سَذَرَهُ اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ That sometimes a person does something, now this is one level of mujahara. One level of mujahara is that a person did something secretly at night. He did something secretly, Allah Ta'ala also covered his fault. But then the next day he comes around and then he starts talking about it. And he says, Ya Fulan, Amiltul Bari Hatta Kada Wakada, Amiltul Bari Hatta Kada Wakada. That last night, this is what I did, this is where I went, this is how I spent my night, and this is all the haram that I indulged in. Whereas Allah Ta'ala was covering himself, covering his faults, he tore open the curtain of Allah Ta'ala. So this Nabi Islam says that is part of the Mujahideen. And he also is, so to say, excluding himself from the forgiveness of Allah Ta'ala. That others will get forgiven for their wrongs, but he will get excluded from that forgiveness. Now, this is something which is an extremely common thing in the time and age that we live in, especially via the social media. That people get up to all kinds of things that is bad enough, things which are haram, or they have gone to places which are haram, and then on top of that, then they announce it to the world via social media, that this is where I went, this is what I did, and even worse than that, some will then take that photographs of it, which is a sin in itself, a terrible sin, where the malaika curse such a person, and the person now will give the evidence of his sin to one and all. Now, this is part of this mujahara, which has been described in this Hadith Sharif. Previously it was at the level where somebody did something wrong, and then he spoke to two, one person, two people, five people, and that Nabi Islam is saying is this mujahara. That he is now tearing open the curtain of Allah Ta'ala. So can we imagine when a person now is talking to 100 people at one time, 200 people at one time, 500 people at one time, and he's telling the whole world, this is where I went, this is the haram I did, this is how I defied Allah Ta'ala, this is how I just totally broke Allah Ta'ala's commands. So this is indeed a very, very serious thing. 
we should look within ourselves and reflect when these kind of discussions are taking place we should not be thinking about anybody else each person the speaker should be thinking about himself and each person should be thinking about himself or herself and reflecting within ourselves and if anything requires some kind of rectification we should be taking the effort the steps to rectify it so one is the social media that starts advertising sins one is a sin to expose a sin is a sin in itself is haru zambi zammun exposing a sin is itself a sin talking about one's haram which happened maybe 20 years ago that while i was in school i did this and i did that that too is a sin now though a person has now passed those days and that is over one is that a person now is advising somebody and it's known what was his previous life so now in order to encourage somebody else who already knows that look where this fellow had fallen alhamdulillah he came forward so now he's telling that person you know where i was where i am now allah ta'ala's fazl so don't fall in the same hole that i fell that is a different issue but out of entertainment now people are talking about their past this is a terrible thing this is a sin in itself so this is one aspect that has been mentioned in the hadith sharif in this regard there are two things in particular which have become very very common the one aspect which is linked to what we have already just discussed where nabi sallallahu says idha zahara zina war riba fi qaryatin faqad ahallu bi anfusihim adab allah that when zina and riba interest when these become common and rife in a community then faqad ahallu bi anfusihim they've already invited the wrath of allah taala they've brought it down if we look around at the conditions in our country the conditions around the world we cannot afford to be complacent anymore we are all the time hearing of things that are like almost on a cliff almost like on a powder keg somebody is just now to light a match and everything allah forbid what happens thereafter every other day there's some turmoil there's some turbulence there's some riots and some thing else crime whatever else then the inflation all these are not just happening these are signs for us these are things for us to take a lesson from Now in this hadith Sharif Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam says two things idha zahara zina war riba Allah forbid both these things have become extremely rife and in terms of zina this is not something that is confined to the worst level of it but all the levels that go before it also now the haram chatting that takes place on social media between non mahrams and then the level that this drops to is that the conscience and the realization of the prohibition also comes out of the heart the realization that this is something haram also doesn't remain allah forbid that a person is communicating with a non mahram and then in the course of the conversation it comes up that well this is what came up this is who i spoke to say but that is not permissible how can you be talking and communicating with so and so see no well this is my old you know we were neighbors we grew up as children Oh, we are, we are cousins, and uh, that's all part of. She's a part of the family. Now these become the justifications for indulging in that haram and being even open about it, and actually defending it. That, well, what's wrong with this? This can't be wrong. That is now gone to an extremely dangerous level. It's an extremely dangerous level for one's iman also. So all the social media and the chatting and all these things that take place. all this is something which invites the wrath of allah taala 
as we understand from this hadith sharif, فَقَدْ أَحَلُّوا بِأَنفُسِهِمْ عَذَابَ اللَّهِ That when this becomes rife, then it invites the wrath of Allah Taala. This is something that we need to be conscious about. In this regard, is also the aspect of the dressing. That to invite the haram gazes of others, that is itself brings a curse upon the one who looks, the one who invites the gazes. And the one who dresses in that manner that doesn't conceal the body sufficiently as Shariat requires, then that too is invitation to zina. And unfortunately, this is something that is sliding at an alarming rate. It is just going down the cliff almost, where there is no shame left. There is, that haya is completely broken down. From time to time, there are such kind of situations that are spoken about, which are beyond expression, beyond description. It is totally something that is, besides being shocking, it is something extremely alarming. Alarming for the conditions that we are inviting upon ourselves. Allah Ta'ala forbid that our eyes open when it's too late to open. We, this is the object, this is the purpose to protect ourselves, protect our families, protect our communities, protect the ummah at large from the adab of Allah Ta'ala. Allah Ta'ala has a system in this world. And as we understood the system that a person puts his hand in fire, fire will burn. So likewise, negative amal, that's a system. The kind of conditions that come, it is brought down by the amal that a person brings into his life, the kind of actions that he does. So these are things that are linked and we cannot avoid it. We cannot try to say that, well, I'll do this wrong, but I will try to stay away from the consequences of it. The action will draw along the consequences. This is something we need to become very, very alert about. The haya, that haya is such a thing, when haya dies out, then everything is gone. Iman is at the edge, complete edge. In the Hadith Sharif, Nabi Salaam says that Iman and haya, these coexist. When one goes, the other will go with it. It will not happen that haya and modesty and shame is completely gone and Iman will then still remain. When every bit of haya has gone, then it's very, very difficult that Iman will remain. And everything is being done in a calculated way to break this haya. In that home, what not comes, which is totally immoral, it is filth, but nobody has any issue with it. It might be that newspaper with the worst kind of pictures on it, the son is reading it, the mother is also aware what in front of the mother is reading it, the father is reading it in front of the daughter, the daughter is reading in front of the father, everybody is quite comfortable with it, what kind of magazines come in the home, whatever else goes on, and then the, what is on that screen, Allah forbid khuda ki pana, that what this is inviting, so, and the whole family is unique, jointly involved in that collective sin, so these are things which are extremely worrying, alarming, because it's getting worse by the day, and we have to make a concerted effort to clear these things up from our lives and from the lives of, of others as well. So this is the one aspect that we have to be very, very conscious about. The other thing is the aspects of extravagance in weddings. As far as nikah is concerned, this is an, a very great ibadat. It is the sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa person who gets married, he enters in nikah, فَقَدْ إِسْتَكْمَلَ نِصْفَ الْإِيمَانِ 
he has perfected half his iman, such a great ibadat. And such a great ibadat, Nabi Wasallam made it extremely simple. Very, very simple. The simplicity of nikah is such that it is more simple than reading two rakats of namaz. That's how simple nikah is. But unfortunately, we have made nikah such a difficult thing that many people, their whole life's earnings, one person who's from a foreign country, now he doesn't have that amount of wealth, but he mentioned to me himself, he's got about four or five children, so he says that I have to earn for about three, four years, he's earning very well, he says I have to earn for about three, four years, then I can get one child married, and that whole three, four years earnings which he's earning very well is all depleted. Then after three, four years only I can get the next child married. Now all of them are marriageable age, but now he has to space himself. Now Allah forbid that by the time he gets the last child married, who by that time will be way past marriageable age, now what fitna he's putting that child into, but the whole problem is what? That he says, I can't do it any other way. I cannot do it any other way, it will be a whole week-long affair, and I'll have to do it in a certain style, in a certain manner, and all the fancy frills that will go with it, without that it will not be possible. Now I'm asking him, but why won't it be possible? It's just as simple as making two rakats. He says, hohi nahi sakta. He's talking his language now. He's saying, hohi nahi sakta. It's just not possible to do it. But what's not possible is happening, alhamdulillah. Every other day there's a simple nikah that's taking place also. So this is something which is an extremely important thing to take note of that where is this going to, which direction is going. Weddings at the moment, these things have become unfortunately a public display of many sins. Now we are talking about that mujahara. So one is the mujahara through the social media, the dressing is also a kind of mujahara, a person is dressing in all kinds of immoral clothing and walking the streets, everybody is watching and no problem with it. Nobody has any problem or the person itself not concerned. Who sees me dressing in this manner, it doesn't matter. I am fine with it. So it's my life, nobody should dictate to me, but this is an open defiance. One is a person is doing something wrong, but doing it secretly, that's bad enough. But this is a defiance, that I am dressing how I want, it's my life, but when we are in the qabr, then we'll realize it wasn't my life. And the questions are asked to us, we'll realize it wasn't my life. On the day of Qiyamah, when we'll be asked the questions, that, وَأَنْ شَبَابِكَ فِي مَا أَبْلَيْتْ an umrika fima afnait, an shababika fima ablait, where you spent your life, how you spent your youth, then we realize it wasn't my life. This life was amanat. So now in our, some kind of insanity, we say it's my life. These kind of statements come out of our tongue sometimes. That my life, nobody should dictate to me. But Allah Ta'ala has already dictated to us because He has given us the life. And this life belongs to Him. And therefore when a person passes away, we say, Inna lillah wa inna ilayhi raji'oon. We belong to Allah Ta'ala. And we will return to Allah Ta'ala. So he has the full right to dictate to us. We merely employ somebody who we didn't create. We don't nourish the person. We give half a plate of food and we feel we did a great favor to the person. Yet we dictate exactly you spend your time in my employ in this way. There you do anything out of line. And we dictate to the last detail. At that too we want a super A job. So somebody we employed, we pay the person something less than the person's effort is worth also and on top of that we dictate to the last detail and Allah Ta'ala who created us, who sustains us who is allowing us to breathe every moment 
If Allah Ta'ala causes us to, or takes the breath away, we can't breathe for one minute. Two minutes is too much, we'll finish, we'll expire. One minute will be more than a, like a fish out of water. And probably one minute also will take our life away. And we don't want Allah Ta'ala to dictate to us. So that is something that we have to submit to Allah Ta'ala. So this dressing etc. openly, not cared about how we are dressing, this is part of this open sin. And then the other open sin is this aspect of open sins in weddings. That there's all kinds of things happening, there's music taking place there, there's intermingling happening, and then the wastage, unfortunately things we never heard of, just even maybe barely a few years ago, maybe barely one, two years ago, we hardly heard of these things. But now these things are becoming the norm, there's dancing taking place in weddings, and the photography and what not goes on, all this is indeed part of this open sin, this is mujahara. And then this is mujahara, not in front of five people, ten people, sometimes there's one thousand people, and sometimes there's five thousand people, Allah knows. And on top of that, whoever is not there too, this is all being photographed and being videoed for them, and so that everybody will get to know what happened. Everybody will become a witness to the haram. This is part of this mujahara at a grand scale. And then we want to know why are these difficulties coming, what is the problem? We are creating the problem and then we want to know where the problem is coming from. There are so many things that are related to these weddings which are got no link to, let alone any link to the Quran and Sunnah, far, far away from it. Before that wedding, there are all kinds of parties that take place, some bridal shower, and that bridal shower is just a sophisticated way of begging. That you are invited for a bridal shower, so what it means is that you must come and shower the bride with some gift. And who will have that himmat and courage to attend without that gift? So now the person is like in a catch-22. If I don't attend, they'll say because I didn't want to come with the gift. And if I attend without the gift, then that's worse. That he came to eat without the gift also. So now that's a very sophisticated way of begging. And then on top of that, we hear of things like that there will also be some kind of uh, clear uh, announcement or something of that nature or it will be mentioned clearly somewhere that well the gifts, the register of the gifts is in certain place you can go and select what gift you want to give from there. So obviously there's not going to be some China shop. So there's going to be somewhere where it is something far from China. So this is a very sophisticated way of begging. One is that beggar that comes on the door and he knocks and he says please give me something and we look down upon him. But like this crime and this white collar crime. So this is also a similar thing. And that is why that barakat doesn't come because that barakat comes from the ikhlas in the hadiyah. There was one buzruk who was on his way to go and visit another buzruk who was sick. So as he was going, it crossed his mind that I should have taken some hadiyah along. I'm going to visit a person and it's sunnah to give some hadiyah. So I should have taken some hadiyah but now he's already on his way, he's going on foot a long distance away. So when the thought crossed his mind, so as he was walking, he saw this little twigs and sticks that have dried up and fallen from the trees. Now this is free for anybody to pick up. It's on a public road. It doesn't belong to anyone. Whoever wishes picks it up and takes it. So he picked up these sticks from the roadside, which anybody can see this is Muftamal. That this person, forget China shop, he didn't pay for it. He picked it up for nothing. He picked up these sticks and he made it a 
bundled it up, put it on his head and he carried on walking. Any case he came, met this Buzrug, and after meeting him and so on, then he presented this bundle of sticks as hadiyah. Now when he presented this bundle of sticks as hadiyah to that Buzrug, that Buzrug who was ill called his khadim. And he said to him, look, take these sticks and keep it away. Keep it aside. And he said to him that the day when I pass away, the water for my ghusl, you burn these sticks and heat that water. I have hope that with the ikhlas with which this has been presented, my najat will get made. Now this is the barakat of the ikhlas in that hadiyah. Now when he received it with this heart, what it did to the heart of the person presenting it. But now this was both the giver and taker had that ikhlas in giving and taking. There was no fancy frills around it. Anybody can see his muftamal. This came for free, this is just picked up on the roadside. But it is the heart and the ikhlas and sincerity with which it was given. Unfortunately nowadays we give the most expensive gifts, but the muhabbat doesn't come. Whereas Nabi Islam says, Tahadaw tahabbu. Give hadiyah to one another, it will create muhabbat. But provided that hadiyah is hadiyah, it is not a sophisticated bribe. It's not a sophisticated begging of some sort. So one is all these things happen. Then in that kind of gatherings, Allah forbid what not happens sometimes. One person, he, this happened about maybe a couple of years back, four or five years back, or a little more to Allah Alam. He explained one incident that happened, that his wife was invited to one so-called bridal shower. So it was all the friends of the bride that were invited mainly. So she attended, she was a classmate of the person getting married. So she attended as well. So he dropped her off at that venue and he went away. But barely 15 minutes later, he got like an almost frantic call. His wife is saying to him, that come immediately and pick me up. So he was worried what happened. He thought he doesn't know whether now this is just one another tactic or something. She wants something else out of him. So now she's playing one trick on him or whatever the case is, some drama she's making for something. In any case, he came quickly now because she was sounding quite frantic. In any case, she jumped in. She said, but what happened? You just came, you hardly 15-20 minutes here. So what he explained thereafter is not something, he's sitting in the house of Allah Ta'ala, it's not something that's speakable. And then we're talking to a gathering of females, it's not something speakable. It's not something that can be mentioned. But this much will be mentioned is, that was utterly shocking. Utterly shocking, this is the prelude to that ibadat which completes half of Iman. And here it is a gathering of women, and a woman is shocked, she can't be there. She ran out of there. And the other part of it was, which was the sad part, tragic part, that barely few people left, the rest remained. And the bulk of those who were invited were those who generally would be regarded as dini conscious. Or many of them were those who would be dressing in a dini conscious way or from homes that are dini conscious, but most remain till the end of their function. Just handful of the people had the courage, not that necessarily those who remained, everybody was happy about it. Many might not have been happy about it, but didn't, just didn't walk out. And some people had the courage to walk out of there, but this is the level to which we are stooping. Can we imagine this is a step, this is now clo closing in towards this great ibadat. And this is a prelude to it. So now where is the barakat going to remain? What are we doing to the barakat? 
So any case, these kind of things. Then in order to make that wedding something really special, how is it going to become special? How is it going to become special? We're going to have to do something that goes against what Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said. Because Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, that إِنَّ أَعْدَمَ النِّكَاهِ بَرَكَةً أَيْسَرُهُ مَأُونَ That the nikah wherein the greatest barakat is, is that nikah wherein the least expenses have been incurred. Now if we're going to make it very special in the manner that Nabi Sallallahu made it, that is going to become a very, very simple affair. And then you'll hear some comments from people that some will want to know that is this, is this a wedding? Is this what you call a wedding? But now we want to do it in a style that everybody says, no, this was really something. So it's going to have to go in the opposite direction. Now when it goes in the opposite direction, then everybody person wants to outdo the other. One person did it in a certain way, somebody else wants to find something new. So now what else new he'll find? So somebody found dancing, Nauzubillah. Now somebody found dancing, that wasn't enough now. So somebody else found some now slideshows of the whole ummah now, the family, this person's wife and that person's husband and that person's uncle and this person's auntie are being paraded in front of everybody in some slideshow. And on top of that, there will be some zikr in the background, abusing the name of Allah Ta'ala. So, one thing leads to the next, just to make it so-called, in inverted commas, so-called unique. But now to make it unique is going to be something worse, which somebody else didn't do. And somebody else didn't do, now, most of the sins, unfortunately, are already common. So now, what somebody else didn't do has to be found. So how worse that will be? Then the amount of money that is spent, that, as in the Juma we explained, that one person, he, in a kind of self-praise, in a kind of self-praise, he's explaining that, you know, I gave my wife a very tight budget, and alhamdulillah, the floral arrangement, she pulled it off in 35,000. The floral arrangement, she pulled it out in 35,000. In other words, this was really remarkable. And he was expecting me to say, mashallah. Now, flowers, those flowers which are all going to just die off in a few hours time and be thrown away, that flowers cost 35,000 and that too he was very happy that it was very, very done in a very little. Allah knows best how much more he spent elsewhere. Whereas people don't have flour for their bread. They're going home, going to bed hungry. There's so much of poverty around that there are many people who probably didn't have flour on that very same day for their bread. And there's so much of flowers that are just being bought for the sake of some fancy uh, setup for that day. That cards sometimes are more expensive than somebody who could have afforded a mattress with that amount. He doesn't even have cardboard to sleep. That person who doesn't have cardboard to sleep with the price of that card, he could have bought a mattress for himself. Now this is the... And now if there's 500 cards of that nature, one, somebody brought a card and somebody else said this card cannot be less than 250 rands. Now, 250 rand, one card, how many people were invited for this wedding? He said about 1,000 people. So at least four, 500 cards were probably... And what card? is not a card anymore. It's like a whole volume of cards. There's cards upon cards inside the card. So, this is all the ni'mat of Allah Ta'ala, which is being just wasted in a very, very, like, a cap has been opened, and it's just being wasted. But this is not something that we are not going to be questioned about. Every ni'mat, summa latus'alunna yawma idhin anin na'im, all these ni'mats and bounties we are going to be asked about on the day of Qiyamah. When these things happen on an open scale, then together with that, what else goes on in that nikah, in that wedding? There are some things 
just again to make it unique, there are things which have been taken directly out of the church. Now we are heading to an ibadat which is meant to complete half the iman. But we are bringing things directly from the church. The bride is walked down the aisle. Now go and look at where this came from. This, go and open the encyclopedia. The World Book Encyclopedia has got a title, A Classical Church Wedding. And part of the classical church wedding, under the classical church wedding, this is one of the parts that the bride will be walked down the aisle. Because this is where it came from, the aisle of the church. And then it started getting borrowed everywhere else. So now, the church is becoming part of our nikah. And then, to add insult to injury, sometimes the person that is walking that bride down is not even her mahram. So now she is walking to her nikah, committing zina. Because she's hand in hand with her non-mahram. Now this, and in front of the whole ummah, and all this again being videoed for those who not even are there to witness it. One is hundreds of people, Allah knows best, sometimes thousand people are witnessing it. And then on top of that it will be circulated for those who didn't witness the haram. So if we are not inviting Allah Ta'ala's wrath, and then the barakat of that nikah is being totally destroyed, then what else we are doing? So, this is unfortunately a very, very dangerous trend that has set in, and we need to take the courage to turn the tide. There was a very great personality of recent past, Hazrat Mawlana Abu Hassan Ali Nadwi Rahmatullahi, very great alim, author, a person who was regarded in a very high level in the Indo Pak subcontinent, even in the Arab world. Just to say one thing about him, which will give us the indication of what was his caliber, that when he passed away, according to the Hanafi Mazhab, the Janaza Namaz can only be made where the Janaza is. But according to the Shafi Mazhab, the Hanbali Mazhab, the Janaza Salah can be made in absentia as well. So in the Haramein Sharifain is the Hanbali Mazhab. So according to the Hanbali Mazhab, if a person passed away in India, they can make the Janaza Namaz even there. In both the harams of Makkah Mukarramah and Madinah Munawwara, in Ramadan, he passed away around the 27th of Ramadan perhaps, if I can recall correctly. They made Salatul Janazah for him in Makkah Mukarramah, now can we imagine 27th Ramadan, what is the crowd there? And in the Haram Sharif and in Madinah Sharif, in the Haram Sharif as well. Now this I think is a unique thing for any person, any alim of India, many ulama were given very high regard, but this Allah Ta'ala blessed him that he was given this maqam and position. Now, this is the caliber of the person. In 1966 or 67, he had gone to visit Burma. Now, this is a way long time, almost 50 years ago, he had gone to visit Burma. At that time, the Muslims of Burma were riding a very high wave. They were actually swimming in wealth. But unfortunately, this becomes the case many times. That when wealth comes in abundance, we forget, often we forget the direction. And we forget that this wealth is an amanat from Allah Ta'ala. And this wealth is a great gift, a great bounty, and if it comes with barakat in abundance, it's nurun ala nur, but every cent is going to be accounted for. So they were riding this wave, and there was this extravagance, and the weddings were in a style. So in any case, he was there for a period of time and observed all these things that are happening. And shortly before his departure, he gave a talk. That talk is on record. Even the audio recording of that is available on some websites. The transcript of that is available in English. And in that talk, he said to them, this is just the gist of it, not the exact words, but the gist of it, he said is, 
and not necessarily in the sequence that I'm saying it, but part of the things he said is, that if a person sees clouds, and he says it's going to rain, and then it rains, you don't call this person as he did something miraculous. Any person can see clouds, this was actually his tawazu. Because the clouds of azab, everybody can't see. We can see the clouds of rain, but the clouds of azab, people with that inner vision see only. So he saw something, but now he just to play it down a little bit, that this is no remarkable thing if it happens like this. He said, if somebody sees some clouds and he says it's going to rain, and then it rains, it's no big deal. And then he said to them, he said to them in very, very open words, he said, look, turn your attention towards deen and making an effort for deen. And you make this effort for ten years. Why he said ten years, Allah Ta'ala knows. He said ten years, you'll save all your, whatever Allah Ta'ala has blessed you with, all your bounties. He spelt out the bounties. He said all your factories and all your businesses and all, he spelt all this out. And then he said after that, he said, but take heed of my words. If you don't change your lifestyle, you don't come back onto deen, you don't bring your life onto deen, then I cannot see you going beyond 10 days. You will not be able to remain in this country. He spelled that out to them. Now one man came from India. He's sitting in a masjid in Burma and he's saying to them, change your lifestyle. Otherwise, Allah forbid that this azab might come. You won't be able to remain staying here. People heard him and let him carry on. But this person knows what he's talking about. Here he's saying something. Maybe he is overreacting on something. Whatever it is, he came and went. And 10 years later, 10 years later the revolution took place. People woke up in the morning to go to their businesses, to their factories, to their shops. When they reached their businesses, the army was all standing outside. There was the keys, bring the keys here. If you want to work first, you work otherwise you carry on. There's no more belongs to you. People came crying tears of blood but they could do nothing about it. Those notes that they had stacked up in their homes, the currency got changed overnight. And now a person doesn't declare the currency that he has, he's in trouble. People started burning the notes they had just to destroy the evidence. With their own hands, their life sweat and blood that they had put into it, are they burning with their own hands. And thousands of people left with the clothes on their bodies and left from Burma and came to India and where else they went as refugees. Allah Ta'ala protect us, Allah Ta'ala save us, Allah Ta'ala protect the life, the wealth, the honor of every mu'min, and more than that Allah Ta'ala protect our iman and amal, but these are lessons. This is something that is not some other end of the world, and it is something that doesn't apply to us, we shouldn't be concerned about, everything, all these things are linked, that the same halat that brought down those consequences, Allah forbid, if we get involved in those halat and those conditioned actions, then we will also, Allah forbid, be drawing out a similar thing. There are those people who have come to this country, those Ahlullah and Mashaykh and so on, and some in passing even made a comment, it seems that it is somebody's du'as and somebody's sadaqat, etc., that Allah Ta'ala's azab has been, people have been protected from it. What they have seen, what made them make that comment, Allah knows. But these are all signs for us to take a lesson from. Now, one is what we've discussed, all these things that go on in these weddings and so on, this open sinning that takes place, and how terrible and evil the open sinning is. But many of us would say that, well, this doesn't apply to me. Alhamdulillah, if it doesn't apply to me that I didn't do something of this nature, well and good. But that's only half the story. It applies to me if even I'm the passive half. 
that where there is sin taking place, then to attend such a function is not permissible. Now there is intermingling taking place, at the most in that function there is the so-called parda corner. So now what is this parda corner all about? It is so to say that we are telling deen, that deen you stay in the corner. You don't come and interfere in our gathering. We will be having a merry time. Nabi Islam sunnat you stay in the corner. Nabi Islam's lifestyle you stay in the corner. And the rest of us, we'll enjoy our function, you don't come and interfere with us. So our music and our intermingling and our dancing and everything will carry on. But we got a parda khana for deen. Now, that doesn't make it in any way permissible to attend such a function and gathering where all this music is taking place, the intermingling is happening, the dancing Allah forbid is taking place. As Abdullah bin Mas'ud radiallahu ta'ala was invited to one walima and as he was approaching the venue, he heard some lahu la'ib, some kind of haram entertainment of some sort, whatever it might have been, some musical instrument, or whatever it was, something that was impermissible. So as soon as he heard it, he began returning. He took a U-turn, he started returning. So somebody saw him coming and suddenly saw him taking a U-turn. So they asked him, Malaka Rajata, what happened? You taking a U-turn? You were already there. So he replied and said, that I have heard Rasulullah saying, Man kathara sawada qawmin fahuwa minhum. That the one who adds to the numbers of a people, he is one of them. Now he probably wasn't in favor of the things that were happening there. He wasn't feeling good about it. He was feeling maybe even uncomfortable. But he still stayed and he added to the glory of the event. Because it is the people that make the event glorious. Now there was an event that was held somebody held a, had a function and all the haram that was supposed to take place there and nobody attended. So now he's going to be gloating about it that I had a very good function. Ten people of my family were there and we had a very good function. He'll be hanging his head in shame and he will be very upset about the people that didn't come but it will have taken out all the glory of his event. Why? The non-attendance of people. So every person that didn't attend a haram function he helped to prevent the glory of it. And by being present, he added to the glory of it. So this is what is the meaning of this hadith sharif. Abdullah bin Mas'ud says, that Nabi Islam said, that the person who adds to the glory of the event, he's part of it. This does not mean in any way, and neither is this being advocated, that we break family ties. Breaking family ties is not being advocated. We must maintain family ties. But attending a haram function is something else. Maintaining family ties doesn't mean we have to attend a haram function. Because before any other tie, the tie that we have to maintain before any other relationship, the relationship we have to be most concerned about is the relationship with Allah Ta'ala. Afterwards is the relationship with others. Now what we are saying is, that I have to maintain the relationship with somebody, even if it means breaking my relationship with Allah Ta'ala. Then we are, we've lost the plot and our whole priorities are gone completely off the track. We will maintain the relationship with Allah Ta'ala first. And in that relationship, we will accommodate what we can. So we will go and visit somebody. If somebody is getting married, we'll go. We'll go visit him five days before he's getting married. We'll take one hadiyah also, no problem. We'll wish, wish him well. We'll give him some du'as. The nikah is taking place in the masjid, we'll attend. The men, obviously. And... What is in our capacity to maintain the family relationship without getting involved in the haram function, we'll do. But if somebody wants us 
to maintain the family tie only at the cost of our deen, then that is that person breaking the tie. Unfortunately, this is upside down world. That the person who is doing right is guilty. And the person who is doing wrong is innocent. The person who is doing right, he becomes the breaker. And the person who is doing wrong, he is the maker. He is mending the ties. This is the upside down world. So, I mean, so the thing, the lesson is, that half the problem is having such a haram function. The other half of the problem is attending such a haram function. Both are impermissible. But we will maintain the family tie within the limits of Shariat and Deen. And we'll give du'as, we'll not regard ourselves as better than anybody else. We will condemn the sin, but not the sinner. We have no idea what is our condition on the day of Qiyamah. And tomorrow that person who did whatever he did, what Tawbah he will make, how he will progress, where he will reach, we have no idea. So we will not look down upon anybody, we will not pass any kind of comments in the nature as if we are now somebody superior to anybody else, we will be worried about ourselves more than anybody. But something that is wrong is wrong. You will not be able to condone the wrong, you will not be able to participate in the wrong, you will not be able to give glory to an event which is haram, and in this way we will help to bring things closer to Deen. So this is something that we need to become very conscious about, just to sum up the uh, discussion that we had in a few lines, that this was all about the aspect of cause and effect, and whatever amal we have, that is a kind of ahwal we will experience. Good amal will bring about good ahwal, good conditions. Bad amal will bring about bad conditions. And sins bring bad conditions. Among the things that are worse than sin, or the thing that is worse than sin is blatant sin. And part of the blatant sins is one of the things that go on in social media, advertising one's haram. And together with that, the open sin in terms of dressing in haram ways, immoral ways. And then the third thing was the blatant and open sin that goes on in weddings, and then being part of that function also. All this is something that we need to be very conscious about, that we don't become part of it. Allah Ta'ala grant us the tawfiq. Allah Ta'ala give us the tawfiq of becoming His true and obedient servants, and save us from all the things that are leading to of drawing down his rotten azab wa akhiru da'wana alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen Allahumma laka alhamdu kulluhu wa laka shukur kulluhu Allahumma la nuhsi sanan alayk anta kama athnayta ala nafsik jazallahu anna nabiyyana muhammadan sallallahu alayhi wa sallam bima huwa ahluh rabbana ghalamna anfusana wa illam taghfir lana wa tarhamna lanakunanna minal khasirin rabbi khfir warham wa'afu wa takarram wa tajawaz amma ta'lam innaka anta al-a'azul akram اللهم افتح لنا بالخير واختم لنا بالخير واجعل عواقب أمورنا بالخير بيدك الخير إنك على كل شيء قدير ربنا تقبل منا إنك أنت السميع العليم وتب علينا يا مولانا إنك أنت التواب الرحيم اللهم إنا نسألك من خير ما سألك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم ونعوذ بك من شر ما استعاذك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم أنت المستعان وعليك البلاغ ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم وصلى الله تعالى على خير خلقه سيدنا محمد وآله وصحابه معين والحمد لله